Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific markets are trading higher this morning on the back of gains on Wall Street overnight. Seoul is leading the way. The Kospi is up 0.8%. In Tokyo, the Nikkei is up about half a percent. And in Sydney, the ASX 200 is trading in the green as well, up 0.2%. Joining me now as we break down all the market action for you this morning. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Morning, Michelle. Doing great. How about you? Fantastic. All right, I want to start today with a topic that's impacting two of the world's largest tech companies, Microsoft and Google, which frankly could affect each and every one of us. By now, Ryan, I imagine you've heard of that new chatbot called ChatGPT. It was launched a little over a month ago, and it is definitely one of the most advanced artificial intelligence chatbots on the market. It's really something. It's currently free to try out. ChatGPT can write computer code, there are concerns that it can write university level essays as well and it can make educated guesses at medical diagnoses. It can even tell jokes, apparently. One Twitter user asked ChatGPT to quote, write a biblical verse in the style of the King James Bible explaining how to remove a peanut butter sandwich from a VCR and the result was really convincing, extremely hilarious, quite authentic as well. You can Google it if you haven't read it already. Now, Ryan, have you checked it out yet? What do you think of this new chat GPT? Yeah, it does sound like the next level or generation of search. And you mentioned how you could Google for it. You can also Bing search it because this is going to be embedded in time to come in the Microsoft search engine. And you can imagine how that will make life easier for you. Imagine all the scenarios can use these smarter searches. No more homework. You can just ask Google ask. or... And you shall receive. Oh my goodness. So it's all about inputting conversation into searches and making search more intuitive. So ChatGPT was created by a company called OpenAI, the same people who created DALI. And uh, I've done a show on how AI-generated art is really exploding. But when it comes to ChatGPT, this is conversational. It's contextual replies. And the hope is that this will lead to a whole new generation of search engines. Now, Google, we know, Ryan, is so powerful. It's so pervasive. It's a verb. No one says, hey, if you don't know the answer, go to Bing. <laughs> but with ChatGPT, do you think this is going to change and Microsoft is going to be able to lure people away from Google with this new chatbot? Yeah, it is early days, Michelle. But the premise is there. At the same time, it's got its work cut out for it, right? If you think about mm-hmm. it, how are you going to serve up ads? Right now, when you search for something online, you've got, for example, banner ads or things on the site, AdWords. But if you do something verbally, search it with your words, talk to it, how would ads look like to you in the future? So that's one of the problems they have to tackle. Of course, the usual privacy issues as well. Do you embed or remember all your previous searches to kind of make you a targeted ad? consumer. So that's the conversation that I think regulators will need to have. Um, So early days, but very promising. Interesting. Now, Microsoft has reportedly been trying out ChatGPT for several months. Meanwhile, I've read that Google is reluctant to deploy new chatbots because they're not as conducive to delivering online ads, as you say, Ryan, and targeting us. So what impact do you think that these new chatbots could have on the way we search? Yeah, I imagine 
in your cars, for example, when your hands are tied up, you could search for stuff like where is the nearest train station or uh, petrol kiosk. So these things could just change the way you use your gadgets, for example. And maybe mm-hmm. in your day-to-day life, um, if you've got your hands busy with something else, you could just you know, use your Google glasses or other brand glasses to search for stuff. So I think it will open up the way for new gadgets to incorporate search engines. So I think that is the future of how search could be more prevalent. Yeah, so you could turn and talk to anything that could carry out that search for you. We're going to keep a close eye on this developing story. In the meantime, Microsoft shares finished down one-third of a percent overnight following a negative analyst report about its Azure cloud business. Shares of Google's parent company Alphabet closed in the red overnight as well. Let's now turn our look ahead at 2023. So far this week, we've looked at the U.S. and Singapore markets as well as the price of gold. I want to turn now to Forex. The U.S. dollar strengthened against most major currencies through the first part of 2022 as the U.S. Federal Reserve raised interest rates. But then the greenback suffered a sell-off in the last quarter of the year. So what is the outlook for the U.S. dollar going forward, Ryan? And is this a good time to hold USD or not? Yeah, it was a pretty good year going by how we had so many rate hikes playing out in 2022. Going into this year, not as many rate hikes, but I think there will still be some support for the US dollar because the inflation picture is still looking quite elevated. So rates will still stay high um, for some time. And there is also that potential scenario for these so-called peak rates or peak terminal rates for the Federal Reserve to aim or target to go even higher because as the data comes in, they will figure out if they need to continue pushing their uh, hawkish policy stance. So going by what we have, there is going to be some support for the US dollar, but probably not as much momentum or strength as last year. The greenback has started the new year off on a strong note. It's making gains against most major currencies with the exception of the Japanese yen. So when we look at this year, Ryan, what's behind the yen strength? Yeah, it's an interesting story for a Japanese yen, almost a tale of two years. So last year was when they were pretty much sticking to the stance of accommodative policy. The BOJ just repeating itself, saying they are not going to... Um, do anything different and to just pretty much let the yen weaken, which we saw go past many technical levels. And we saw the yen just drop by more than 10% last year. And this year, it's a very different story. It will go up Mm -hmm. to become one of the strongest Asian currencies because in the last month, we had a BOJ coming out to say that they are looking to possibly tighten. So those signals were enough to let investors and traders think that maybe the time is here for the yen to start turning around. And I think that is what markets are thinking about pricing in, that the yen could be after a year of losses start to turn around. So we have some expectations, some market watchers are expecting, for example, the yen to have as much upside of 10% this year. 
Let's get you those latest numbers. The US dollar currently trading at around 132 yen and is at 94 cents versus the euro. All right, let's turn to markets now, starting with the US, where stocks rallied to break a two-day losing streak overnight. The S&P 500 climbed three quarters of a percent. Nasdaq not far behind. The Dow Jones Industrial Average finished in positive territory as well. Ryan, US markets got a boost from some strong jobs data as well as the latest minutes from the US Federal Reserve. Tell us more. Yeah, so you've got a mix of info for investors that just overnight. Let's start with the FOMC minutes. Bear in mind, these were minutes from the meeting three weeks ago. A lot has happened since then, but investors like to read between the lines for the latest thoughts from policymakers. And also bear in mind that going into the meeting, there were some expectations that policymakers might start to turn direction and cut rates. So that is what they had in mind three weeks ago. But the minutes show that policymakers just did not have that in mind at all. So pretty much ruling out the possibility of any rate cuts in the second half of the year. So pouring some cold water on that party. So it's a bit of a wet blanket when it comes to how we might see a potential pivot from the Fed. So that's not likely to happen. So we have the Federal Reserve policymakers come out to say, hey, don't underestimate how high we need to keep rates for and how for how long because of the rather sticky and stubborn inflationary picture. So that's the rather, well, blunt warning coming through from the Federal Reserve. Uh, looking at the jobs data, even though job openings fell slightly in November, it is overall still a strong labour market. So that kind of raises concerns that the Federal Reserve may not be near the end of its monetary tightening cycle. So still some long ways to go, just like what Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said. I want to pick up on what you mentioned. It appears that the Fed has had a blunter message than normal for investors. What do you think? Yeah, so if you look at the line that sticks out, it is no, an unwarranted easing in financial conditions would complicate efforts to temper prices. So in effect, it's saying no, they don't want to bring things down too early. So they would rather overhike than to underhike. So that is pretty much the story here. So they are saying, you know, inflation is sticky. And I think if you look at how things have moved in timeframes, if you look at a September meeting, for example, not a single policymaker was forecasting terminal rate above 5%. And then we had the mid-December policy meeting, and then the terminal rate became 5.1%. So if you mm. factor that in and more data to come in the coming weeks, when we have the next few meetings, you might see potentially the terminal rate moving even higher. So that is the type of, uh, I guess, potential scenario that investors need to be wary of, that you know, things are not going to be going according to um, plan all the time, that we could see things still changing. Now, putting interest rates aside for a moment, the Fed minutes also seem to indicate that concerns about a recession this year could be overblown. The Fed staff thinks that the roughest patch for the economy will not occur until, say, 2024. 
U.S. investors, meanwhile, still seem uncertain about where to put their money this year. However, we are seeing some instances of so-called risk-on investing in other parts of the world. In fact, closer to home. What have you noticed, Ryan? Yeah, it's the obvious play these days: the China reopening story, and it looks like Chinese stocks are. Doing well so far this year. If you look at the first two days of 2023, when it comes to the trading sessions, it is up 13% for Chinese stocks in the US. So their best start to the year ever. And if you look at the Nasdaq Golden Dragon China Index, it is up 69% from its October low. So we've got the factors like the COVID-19 zero policy being lifted, so that's helping sentiment. And also worth noting all the statements from regulators, like the latest coming through from PBOC, the central bank, saying it will implement targeted and prudent monetary policy to help support domestic demand. So Beijing hoping to stabilize food, energy and COVID drug prices as well heading into the Lunar New Year. And one more thing to watch out for is how mm-hmm. the tech space in China is going to in some fashion recover after being battered from the previous crackdowns being priced in. So Ant Group's Consumer Finance Unit has received approval to more than double its registered capital to expand its business. So that's a sign that it has managed to make some progress in appeasing regulators' concerns. So bear in mind, we had the IPO of Ang Group being scrapped not too long ago because they reportedly did not get the blessings of regulators. Now it looks like things are starting to shape up for a potential listing from Ant Group. And in line with that, we saw Alibaba's stock price up overnight. Alibaba owns one third of Ant. Alibaba was trading higher by 8% yesterday. And speaking of tech, it is time for corporate news in our game of Up or Down, where I name an item in the news and we debate whether it's moving north or south. Okay, Ryan, let's start with retrenchments in the tech sector. All right, so we're starting with bad news because it's down and I am looking at a couple of companies, namely Amazon, reportedly laying off more than 17,000 employees. That is a much bigger number than the previously penned Plan 10,000. Salesforce also in the news for making job cuts. 10% of jobs is also going to be closing some offices. Like many other tech companies, it just hired too many people, was too ambitious during the pandemic field boom years, and now needs to adjust to more cautious spending by customers. Yeah, layoffs in the tech sector, unfortunately still on the rise. Salesforce is that software company and it will lay off 10% of its workforce, which means it joins Amazon, Cisco, Google, HP and Intel in that quest to streamline and cut costs. Salesforce shares finished up 3.5% overnight on the news. Next up, let's look at the US automaker General Motors. It's going to be an up for General Motors and it has reclaimed its sales crown in the US at least from Toyota Motor. So it has managed to see a 2.5% jump in sales to take it to the top. Yeah, so it's up for General Motors. And in case you're wondering, all right, so where is Toyota now that it's been knocked off that number one position? Well, Toyota has dropped to number two. Let's turn to a Singapore-listed asset now, ARA US Hospitality Trust, Ryan. Yeah, as you would imagine, it has managed to buy something in the US. So ARA Mm. US 
Hospitality Trust has bought a hotel in the US military hub, Colorado, for $29 million. So it's a Hilton branded property. So this is going to be giving it some uh, more foothold in the sector there. Indeed. In Colorado Springs, that's where the Hilton branded hotel, 119 rooms in this particular hotel, uh, ARAH Trust is planning to acquire. This acquisition will cost nearly 30 million US dollars and investors like the news. ARAH Trust finished up nearly 3% yesterday. Next up, let's look at a newcomer to the Singapore market, Comba Telecom. I'm going with up for Comba Telecom. So it closed at... 25 and a half cents in its secondary listing debut on the SGX. So mm-hmm. this, of course, would have seen it become the first company to list on the main board in 2023. So quite a milestone. And I think it's going to be up for not just Comba, but the SGX as well, because it's been trying to push the SGX as a destination for secondary listings. So it's a great start to the year. Indeed. So China's Comba Telecom, which is listed in Hong Kong, debuted on the Singapore exchange yesterday with a secondary listing. The company did not raise any new funds here and its shares had a rough start. They opened at 41 cents but finished at 25 and a half cents. That's down 37 percent. The Business Times has put together a list of 10 local stocks to watch in the year ahead. And this week, we've already taken a look at Semcorp Marine, which is in the midst of a mammoth merger, and UOB, which is expanding its consumer banking business. So today, I want to take a look at another stock on BT's 2023 watch list, and that is Singapore Airlines. So Ryan, why is SIA a stock to watch in the year ahead? Yeah, it is the obvious play here because of the recovery in the travel space. So everyone's trying to get back on their holiday plans and SIA right in the middle when it comes to those plans, jumping on those planes, just mm. making money off the increase in the revenge travel, so to speak. So this is going to be making it an interesting stock to watch if it can benefit from these um, rise in passenger numbers. And of course, when China reopens, it's going to be another boost for that recovery picture. Uh, But at the same time, it's worth noting that it is beginning to redeem its MCBs or military convertible bonds. So that means Mm -hmm. it's going to be shrinking its war chests to help redeem those funds. So shareholder funds will deplete in some fashion because of those operations. So that's going to be something to kind of weigh Uh, as you try and figure out if SIA is the stock you want to get into. Indeed. So on the one hand, it could get a boost from China's borders reopening and the revenge travel trend, but SIA shares also facing some potential headwinds, particularly on those convertible bonds that were issued during the pandemic to keep the airline afloat as they are redeemed. This will shrink shareholder funds. So what do you think? Will the post-pandemic recovery keep SIA's share price aloft as it flies into these pockets of turbulence? Pardon the puns. (laughs) I would like to think so. I think what's also interesting to see is what SIA has learned from the COVID-19 stretch uh, in terms of what it needs to do to stay resilient and if we can execute those plans. I think it has managed to do so to some extent with that deal in India with Vistara uh, merging with Air India. So I think 
learning from COVID-19, it did not have a domestic market, so it needs to look elsewhere to diversify its revenue streams. And maybe in the coming years, it could see more M&A to get that done. So maybe more spending before we could see the income come in, so to speak. So it could be something to watch out for in terms of expenses before we see SIA on stronger footing. SIA shares have had a rocky start to 2023. They've fallen nearly 1% over the past two trading sessions. In 2022, though, SIA jumped about 10%. We're going to keep an eye on it to see if it can match or even surpass those gains in the year ahead. One more question about SIA. Maybe you recall this from late last year, but I'm not sure if you saw that headline about that two uh, corgis that flew Ah, business class on the SQ flight to San Francisco. What a great photo. They were emotional support animals. So SIA let them on board for that 17-hour flight. There is a photo you can check out, and they're adorable. The article says the dogs were well-behaved. They mostly slept and cuddled during the flight, according to their owner. But Singapore Airlines says from April, no more emotional support dogs on its flight. Only assistant dogs that are trained to assist are visually impaired. So what do you think? How would you feel if next to you there were two dogs providing emotional support? Yeah, I can't imagine how this can leave many people divided because if you're not a dog lover, you might be a bit iffy about it. Um, So I would say, you know, if there is valid concern or valid points for you to bring your dog, like, you know, like you pointed out, Uh, assistance for those with disabilities then okay I could live with it but if you're just there for emotional support maybe not so much Um, but I think it's worth pointing out SIA's move to remove that option is pretty much in line with what other airlines are already doing so not very different from the status quo so to speak Mm. oh I'd, I'd love it I'd enjoy it. Now, let's check in, though, on how stocks are doing this morning. The Straits Times Index finished marginally lower yesterday at 32.43. For the second straight session, Yang Zijiang shipbuilding led the way lower. It's fallen nearly 12% this week. Ryan, Yang Zijiang shipbuilding was one of the best-performing stocks on the Singapore Exchange last year. It raised more than 80%. So do we have any idea why it's being sold off this week? Is this about profit-taking, pure profit-taking, or something else at play? Yeah, I would imagine there will be some level of profit-taking after such a stellar year. And like you pointed out, Yang Zhijiang really doing well in the past year. So maybe time to take some money off the table. Uh, I think also if you factor in valuations, it is Mm. looking quite stretched. Uh, If you look at some of the reports coming through from the brokerage houses, uh, for example, they pointed out after such a strong share price performance last year, you have to figure out if there is more upside. And if you look at the capacity, yard capacity, it is right now full until at least the second half of 2025. So even if you get further new contract wins, even if you get more business, it might not drive Yang Zhijiang's share price higher because capacity is already full. So in some sense, it is very... Um, stretched when it comes to valuations. A lot of the good news has been captured. So many analysts are starting to turn to downgrade Yang Zhijiang to hold. So that is uh, mm. something to keep in mind. It is still going to be not doing well, but as a share price performance um, has already um, outperformed last year, further upside might be a bit too optimistic. 
We're going to keep an eye on Yangtze Zhang shipbuilding for you. In the meantime, we're 28 minutes into the local trading day. Just how are the blue chips doing this morning, Ryan? All right, let's take a look at what we have. Overnight, of course, it was a positive lead from Wall Street. And that snapped two days of losses. Going into the Asian trading day, the STI pretty much in line with the rest of the region. In the green, up 1.1% at 3,279. And looking at the 30 constituents, only four counters are in the red. At the bottom, Yangzhejiang Shipbuilding. Down 1.7% at $1.18, followed by Jardine Sucker and Carriage, down 0.9%, and Sikhop Industries down 0.3%. At the top of the table, we have Capital DC REIT up more than 3%, Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust up 2.4%, Hong Kong Land up 2.3%, and all three banks in the green, led by DBS right now, higher by nearly 2%. At 3469. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ryan Huang. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.